I believe in the human spirit, the power of humanity, and that each person has unique beauty and grace to share with the world. I believe that there is joy in every day and that people search for a sense of belonging, to be treated kindly, and to feel unconditional love. Hi everyone, I'm Maureen LaRoche, and this is Paradisiac. Welcome everyone. I hope everybody had an awesome week. Part of the process in finding joy and peace in life oftentimes includes trying to understand and come to terms with the experiences or events throughout the years that have either been traumatic or life-changing. In most instances, healing needs to occur before we can truly start to feel whole, alive, or a sense of peace. One of these traumas is death. Death of a family member, close friend, or someone who has had an impact in our lives. Even though we as human beings know that we are not immortal, we are never really prepared for the natural parting of someone we love. In my many conversations with people about death over time, there seems to be a set of collective common questions. What happens to people when they die? Where do they go? Is there a heaven? Is heaven up above? Do they feel pain and emotion? Are there signs of their presence around us? Are they around us? Can they see us? And will we ever see them again? There are so many different perspectives, with each person arriving at the conclusion that best brings them peace. Some people believe that there is a place where we will someday be reunited with those that have gone before us. For me, I believe that there is a heaven and that those people I have loved and lost will all be reunited with me in time. But I also feel that we are still united on earth, but in a different way. Conversations like these are fascinating to me. And I've really learned a lot from the different views about the afterlife, as well as people's beliefs about the presence or absence of heaven. Although none of us know for certain what happens when we die, I'd like to share an experience I had when I was a child that for me has answered some of the questions that have come up in both my mind and in conversations with others but that definitely do not define the mystery of the experience. When I was six years old, while at my aunt and uncle's house during April vacation, I wanted to play baseball with my older cousin, his friends, and my brother. He was a fabulous baseball player, and he must have told me about half a dozen times to stop being a pest, go away, and play with the girls. On this day, I refused to listen. In full swing, I got in the way of my cousin's bat and was hit square in the head with a force that threw me clear across the other side of the driveway. Upon impact, I immediately saw lime green, red, and black spots that clouded my vision entirely and looked similar to the snow you would see on a TV back in the older days 
when the stations would go off the air. Or, similar to the static TV screen seen in the movie Poltergeist. A few seconds later, I heard a voice telling me two things. Get up and keep your eyes open as wide as you can. To this day, I could not tell you if the voice was a man or a woman, as it was something I had never heard before. The next thing I knew, I was about 50 feet above the yard. I could see everything below me. My brother and my cousins were in a circle, frantic. But I could not see myself in the circle. I saw my aunt, frozen in panic on the porch near the driveway, flapping her arms like a young child who knows they did something that they were going to get in trouble for. I remember seeing everything in color. The spots were gone, and there was a definite elevation. I could not hear anything, but I do remember feeling terrible for my aunt, uncle, my cousins, and my brother. I was not sad, but I was worried about them. I remember thinking about my mom and dad, but I was not afraid or scared of not seeing them again. Just curious as to why I could not see myself down below. Where was I? There was no bright light, no angels, no tunnel, nor the appearance of anyone who had died from my family before me. Of course, at that time, I was only six. I had no pain at all. But the scene below me was definitely chaotic and traumatic. I don't remember much after that, except the words of my doctor, who said to my parents, let's just thank the Lord that the bat hit the hardest part of her head and that the swelling was outward, because if it was inward, we would be preparing for something different. A few weeks later, I had to make my first Holy Communion with a head and face full of swelling and bruising that only a full veil would hide, which I did end up wearing. I will never forget the priest's face when I pulled up my veil when it was my turn to receive for the first time. It was like he had seen a horror show. But let's fast forward two years to when our family moved and I started at a new school mid-year in the fourth grade. Enter Father Lynch, a very kind and older priest who I was absolutely petrified of. During my fourth and fifth grade years at this school, About twice a year, he would knock on the door, enter my classroom, and ask me and my teacher to come out into the hallway. The teacher would stand right next to me. Father Lynch would lift up my bangs and make a telescope with his right hand. He would put it about eight inches from my forehead, look through it, and say one word the same word every time. He would say, brilliant. Now, I know he was not talking about my intelligence because during those years, I was too busy being a social butterfly and passing notes in class rather than taking my schoolwork seriously. After the first time this happened, I asked my parents if they ever told my school about my hand injury, and they said no. I never told them about the hallway visits 
with Father Lynch. To this day, I still do not know why Father Lynch called me into the hallway and looked at the site of my injury. However, I believe it may have had something to do with the brilliance of spirituality and the love a child has for life and being alive. Or maybe he knew something from God that I did not or never will. My injury happened 52 years ago, but to this day, I remember every detail almost like it was yesterday. And each day, as I look in the mirror and see the dent in my forehead, I am grateful for life. No matter where our energy goes after we leave this earth, I truly believe that our loved ones are alive with us each day in a different form because we keep them alive in our hearts. By believing in the hope that we will meet again and by paying attention to the beautiful subtleties of a gentle breeze, the timely appearance of a rainbow, the shape of a rock, the grace of a butterfly, a familiar scent, or the presence of animals. These things may serve as a sign of the presence of the love from those who have passed. The next time you see something that reminds you of someone you love who has passed, perhaps they indeed are closer to us than we could ever imagine. Once again, it was an honor and a blessing for me to share this time with you. And this week, I wish you and those you love comfort and peace in remembering those who have passed, as well as hope for continued subtle reminders of their presence in your life on earth. Contact me with ideas, feedback, or topics you would like to discuss down the road. As you can email me at maureen at paradisiacpodcast.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at paradisiac2, the number two, and on Instagram at paradisiac podcast, and subscribe at Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen. I look forward to our time next week. If you enjoyed this episode, rate and review. Thank you for your time and for listening.